Well, good morning. Welcome to worship at Calvary. All of you here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, all of you at our Minnetonka campus, and then anyone who woke up, looked out the window, saw the snow and rolled over and went back to bed and who's now watching online. Again, we're glad that you're here. You get a free pass today, but we expect to see you in person next week. And it's so great that we can worship together wherever we are. You know, I think there is really no one who likes to fall victim to false advertising, right? But the thing is, we experience it many times throughout our life. Like, have you ever purchased a frozen meal before? And then you get hungry and you think, okay, I'm going to have this meal. And then you notice it looks nothing like the packaging, right? I mean, what in the world? Or maybe you've purchased a box of Raisin Bran, And then you've actually looked at it and noticed there is no way there is two scoops of raisins in there, right? Unless it's the smallest scoops ever. Or maybe you just want to, you know, give your kids a nice treat and you think, you know, this is going to bring them happiness. And then instead it causes nightmares for years, right? But, you know, it's not just food products where we see or experience false advertising, In fact, according to a survey done by Monster.com, which is a job search firm, they have found that 85% of job applicants exaggerate their skills and abilities on their resumes. 85%. The Federal Trade Commission has a set standard that's supposed to be followed whenever advertising a used car. But Automotive News estimates that less than 10% of all used car ads live up to those standards, which means more than 90% of used car ads have some sort of false advertising in them. And so whether it's disappointing food or embellished resumes or shady car deals, no one likes false advertising, right? And it's because when reality doesn't meet our expectations, it leads to disappointment. And while, you know, we can probably get over pretty quickly scary ice cream or unappetizing frozen meals, what happens when reality doesn't meet our expectations in our relationships, You know, as much as we might hope and dream and wish for the perfect marriage or the perfect friendship or the perfect parent-child connection, the truth is we all experience disappointment in our relationships. And that means we need to learn how to navigate those disappointments. We need to learn skills that can help move us forward and can help overcome the gridlock and that can help us overcome the disappointment we often experience. Now, I love how in scripture, God is so upfront and honest about how difficult relationships can be. I mean, if you look at what Paul says in Romans 12, 18, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I mean, you'd expect it to just say, live at peace with everyone. I mean, it just should just be, you know, an expectation for all Christ followers. But again, God realizes that relationships are hard, they're difficult, they're challenging. And so I don't know if there's another verse with as few of words that has as many qualifications as that verse. 
if it's possible, which means it's not always possible, as far as it depends on you. I mean, you can't control other people. You can't choose what other people are going to do or how they're going to react. So, you know, if it's possible, as far as you have any control over the situation, well, seek to live at peace with everyone that you can. Again, God understands that relationships are going to be challenging and difficult and hard. But that's not what he hopes and dreams for us. And so he wants to help us navigate those difficulties. He wants to help us take positive steps to bring health to our relationships. And so I want for a moment, I want you for a moment to think about a challenging relationship in your life. When you think of a difficult relationship, what's the first one that pops into your mind. You know, maybe you have a friend who you were super close to for many years, but now they feel distant and they feel disconnected. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your siblings and instead of love, you kind of have this competitive thing going with them. Maybe you feel conflicted over some things that have been said or done throughout your lives. And so if you're honest, there's some bitterness and some resentment that has come into that relationship. You know, maybe your marriage is far from where you dreamed it would be. However many years ago, you walked down the aisle and made promises to each other. Maybe if you were honest today, you'd say, you know, we feel a lot more like roommates than life partners. Again, God knows relationships can be hard and difficult and challenging. And all of us, I think, long for more connected and meaningful and purposeful relationships. And yet so oftentimes, the reality doesn't meet our expectations. And so we feel deep disappointment. And so the question is, well, what do we do with that? How do we move forward? Well, today we're kicking off a new five-week sermon series that I believe has the potential to revolutionize anyone or all of your relationships, no matter who you are and no matter what life stage you happen to be in. And the series is called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And it's based on a book and a course that's been written by Peter and Jerry Scazzaro. Pete uh, planted a church in Queens, New York, and he's an expert on emotionally healthy living. And the goal of this series is to give each one of us the tools that we need so that we can live in a more healthy place, to give us the practical skills that we need to experience healthier, more connected, and more meaningful relationships. And so each week, we're going to give you one practical skill that you can put into practice immediately. Now, healthy relationships are so important to us as human beings, but they are also vitally important as followers of Jesus. 
Because when Jesus was asked to name the most important commandments, and remember, there were hundreds upon hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament, this is how Jesus responded to that question in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And everyone there would have been nodding their heads. This made sense. This would be the answer they would expect. But then Jesus didn't stop. He continued on in the next verse and he blew everyone's mind by saying, and, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It was a new ethic for living. And it shows how important relationships are in the kingdom of God. Really, every one of us should be growing in our relationship and our love for God. But we also need to be growing in our love for those around us, especially those people that are the hardest for us to love. Now, God himself models a relationship in an in himself, in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is inherently relational. And he cares deeply about the relationships that we have. And so he says, really, if you want to focus on the two most important things in life, well, love God, but also love other people. And so what if our church was known for our healthy relationships? What if we were known in the community for how well we work on the difficulties of relationships? What if we were known for our emotionally healthy relationships, not just within the church, but also as we go out into the community, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our neighborhoods? Well, yesterday was an incredible morning here at Calvary. We had 44 couples who came and spent four plus hours at a marriage workshop. People investing time and energy in improving their marriages. It was an incredible experience. My wife, Lexi, and I loved it. We have hundreds upon hundreds of people who meet weekly in small groups, doing life together, building deep relationships. We have many people coming on Wednesday nights to both of our campuses for community nights. And we're focusing on just some practical things like becoming better parents or what do you do with aging parents? Or we're talking about how to better engage in society over some of the very controversial issues of our day. And a big part of community nights is building relationships and getting better in our relationships. What if we were a church that was known for our relationships? Well, in their book, The Schizeros, they point out that our spiritual health is so very closely tied to our relational health. And in fact, sometimes the greatest hurdle to spiritual maturity is relational maturity. And they say in their book, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so if we want to truly have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, if we want to follow him and look more like him over time, 
We need to take an honest look at our own emotional and relational health, our own habits, our own tendencies. And in order to do that, and in order to get the most out of this series that we're kicking off today, I want to challenge you to do three things, right? Number one, be brave. Relationships are not easy. We all know that. And facing our own weaknesses and failures and owning up to the ways that we contribute to relational strife is not easy. But I believe you can do it. And so I want to encourage you to be brave. Number two, be open. Let's be open to allowing God to point out the shortcomings and the blind spots in our own life that contribute to the relational disappointment that we often experience. Any series like this, it's really easy to point it out in other people, to say, yeah, that's their problem. But let's be open to seeing the ways that we ourselves fall short. And then number three, be ready. Be ready to put what you learn into action. It's one thing to hear what I have to say and then to just move on to something else. It's easy to sit in a worship service and maybe nod your head, maybe take a couple notes, but it's a whole other thing to actually go and put it into practice. And so I want you to be ready to actually live out these principles in your relationships. So our first practical relational skill that we're going to look at today is clarifying expectations. If we want to have emotionally healthy relationships, we need to learn to better clarify our expectations. You know, as Americans, we have ridiculously high expectations for pretty much every part of our life. For instance, I, I read about a book that discusses the differences in expectations between Great Britain and the United States. So for example, in Britain, an advertisement for cold relief capsules would promise no more than it will make you feel just a little bit better. In the television ad, they would show someone at home in their pajamas. They would probably still be sniffling, kind of red eyes, red nose, and they'd maybe have just a slight smile on their face to hint that they're slowly starting to get better. But you know what the United States ad would have, right, for the same product? It would be instantaneous relief, right? The person is already back at work. They're moving faster than ever. There's no sign of a cold at all. He's closing deals. She's giving a rock star presentation. And then after work, they're out bowling with their friends, right? We have such ridiculously high expectations for everything. Like we want a compact car that has tons of space. We want a luxury car that's super affordable. But here's the thing. When our expectations are so high, it also means they're often unrealistic and unhealthy as well. So when it comes to our relationships, what are the most common unhealthy expectations that we might have? Well, here's a short list. First of all, one of our unhealthy expectations is when we have unconscious 
expectations. These are the expectations we didn't even know that we had until they went unmet in one of our relationships. And it's then that we feel a sting of disappointment. For example, maybe you expect your roommate to immediately wash their dishes after dinner and not let them stack up in the sink because that's the way your home was growing up. Maybe you expect your kids to get straight A's simply because you got straight A's when you were their age. This happens all the time in marriages, right? You expect your husband to be handy and to be able to fix stuff because your dad was Mr. Fix-It. Or you expect your wife to be a gourmet chef because your mom was. Unconscious expectations are things that we expect because we just think it's the way it's supposed to be. Oftentimes they're informed by how we grew up and what kind of home origin we came from. But oftentimes they're things that we don't even realize that we have in our life. Now another unhealthy expectation is unreasonable expectations. You know, sometimes our expectations are just not grounded in reality. I mean, we expect our best friend to be available to hang out whenever we are. We expect our spouse to do way more than their share of the housework or caring for the kids. And all of us can probably think of some unrealistic expectations that we've had. And oftentimes those unrealistic expectations also are unspoken expectations. This is when we are aware of these expectations, but we haven't clearly shared, shared them with the other person. We haven't verbalized them. We haven't made it clear. We haven't had a conversation, but we still get angry and disappointed when they aren't met. Now, I can think of many times in my own marriage where I've been especially annoyed or upset, and I've had to be reminded that I haven't even voiced the expectation that I have. Now, I remember when Lexi and I were first married a little over 20 years ago, we moved down to West Des Moines, Iowa into a pretty small two-bedroom apartment. And I remember coming home from work one day, and I opened the door, and instantly I was disoriented. And I couldn't even figure out what was going on. It was just so, just like overwhelming. And what I suddenly realized is she had moved all of our furniture 45 degrees. I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I don't even know where to walk. It's like, and you need to understand that I am very, very much a creature of habits. Like I don't handle these things well. And after we were finally able to process what was going on, we noticed that both of us had some unspoken expectations. Like, I just thought for sure I would be consulted on all major design changes. <laughs> and she thought that that was her, her purview. She could do what she wanted, and we didn't need to talk about it. And so you can see how that turned into a conflict. Maybe you have some unspoken expectations that can bring disappointment or even pain and anger to your relationships. And then, fourthly, another unhealthy expectation is unagreed upon expectations. You know, sometimes our expectations are unhealthy and unrealistic because the other person just doesn't agree. I mean, just because you invite someone to come to your party doesn't mean they're going to come. Just because you ask somebody for a ride to the airport doesn't mean they have to give it to you. 
know, just because my wife hangs this nice little hook set up on the wall doesn't mean I'm always going to put my car keys up there. I guess we'll have to talk about that later. (laughs) But maybe as you look at your relationships, you can identify some of these healthy, unhealthy expectations creeping in, especially when it comes to the disappointments or the conflicts that you might have. Now, what happens when our unconscious, unreasonable, unspoken, and or unagreed upon expectations go unmet? Well, then next we start to make judgments and assumptions about the other person. And the pain and the disappointment grows. Resentment can creep in. And then sometimes we start to put up walls. And that's a huge problem. But has that ever happened to you? Or maybe... More honestly, is that where you're at in one of your relationships today? You see, when unhealthy expectations go unexamined and unresolved, eventually, friendships can fracture. Small groups can fall apart. Working relationships can start to sour. Families can blow up. Marriages can can collapse. And so what can we do? How can we build more emotionally healthy relationships? Well, according to scripture, I think there are two things we need to stop doing and two things we need to start doing. And these are all things that we can start and stop today. So number one, we need to stop mind reading. I think we are often unaware that we are constantly making assumptions about the people around us. Way too often, we think we know the thoughts and the motives and the heart behind what people are doing or saying. And so we just make the assumption and we jump to conclusions. But scripture gives a very clear warning against trying to read people's minds and focusing on our own conclusions and opinions. Look at what Proverbs 18 verse 2 says. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Be honest. Have you ever acted like a fool before? I know I have. You know, when we act like we're able to read another person's mind, really what we're doing is we're pretending that we're God. Because only God knows everything, right? Only he knows what's truly going on in people's hearts and minds. And so we need to stop pretending like we're God. Otherwise, we are destined to live with unhealthy expectations. Number two, we need to stop making judgments. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter seven, verse one. He says, do not judge or you will be judged. Now there's a whole lot there in that one verse. We could probably do an entire series, but I want to talk just in regard to our relationships. Judging one another is so easy to do because of something that's called fundamental attribution error. And what this is, is when we experience someone making a choice or saying something that we disagree with or we don't like, we tend to attribute their choices to bad character and bad motives. Like the reason they did that or the reason they said that is really they're a bad person. 
right? But if we do the same thing, if we have the same behavior, we give ourselves all of the grace that we can, right? We assume the best about ourselves and put everything in the best light. For example, when someone cuts me off in traffic, when I'm driving on Highway 55, I think, what a jerk, right? I never think, well, maybe that person is rushing to the hospital because of an emergency. I never think, you know, well, maybe they're just going to go pick up their kids at preschool and they're a little bit late, But when I cut someone off in traffic, I have all sorts of great reasons for my behavior, right? I mean, I need to go meet someone and I better not be 30 30 seconds longer to get there. And so I have all of the right reasons to engage in that behavior. We give ourselves tons of grace, tons of understanding, but we hold other people to unrealistic expectations. And so we need to stop judging others. Number three, we need to start having conversations. This is also from the wisdom of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 15. It says, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. So you can be like the foolish person earlier in chapter 18, or we can be discerning and wise. And how do we do that? Well, it's when we start having conversations. Simply put, the only accurate way to find out what a person's thinking, what their motives are, is to ask questions, to actually listen to what they have to say, to engage in a conversation Now imagine that I brought with me a little wrapped up box, like a little Christmas or birthday gift. And if I brought that up here and I asked you, what's in it? Well, we could spend a whole lot of time guessing everything that could be in that box. I mean, it would just go on and on. But what's the best way for you to find out what's in the box? Well, you can either open it up or you can ask me, right? And I think the same thing goes for people, right? If you really want to know what's going on in someone's heart and mind and life, well, you need to ask them what's in the box, what's in your heart. And we need to learn to use questions. Like, can you tell me more about that? Can you explain what you mean by that? What I hear you saying is this, is that correct? Conversations are what lead to understanding, and understanding leads to more emotionally healthy relationships. And you know, just as a side note, as you think about the incredible division and conflict that we see in our society, how much of that is because we are so bad at having conversations? How often do we jump to conclusions? I think we need to be better at modeling the art of conversations, even with people who are completely different than us, who approach the world completely different from us. Again, it's conversations that lead to understanding. And fourth and finally, we need to start clarifying expectations. So how do we do this? Well, let's go back to that earlier chart that we were looking at. And to have healthy expectations first means that our 
our expectations need to be conscious. It means that we need to take the time to take an inventory of our own hearts, our own thinking. What are those expectations that we truly have deep down because of how we were raised or because of some other reason? We need to think about the expectations that we bring into our marriage, into our friendships, into our work relationships, and more. And then we need to discern, are our expectations even realistic? Is there any evidence to support that my expectation is reasonable and doable for the other person? Now, it might be a realistic expectation if it's been done before in your relationship, or if you know the other person has the willingness to meet that expectation, which leads to the third thing. To have a healthy expectation means it needs to be spoken. Has your expectation been communicated clearly to the other person? Have you taken the responsibility to verbalize it out loud? And then finally, a healthy expectation is agreed upon. Just because you have an expectation doesn't mean the other person agrees to it. For the expectation to be healthy, both people need to agree to it. So there's two things for us to stop and two things to start from the wisdom of scripture. Stop mind reading, stop making judgments, Start having conversations and start clarifying your expectations. Now, I want to make sure every person who's here or watching online is challenged and invited to put this into practice today. So again, I want you to think for a moment of a relationship that you are a part of that today you would describe as disappointing or hard or challenging. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's your relationship with a close friend. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your employee. And before getting defensive or making excuses or trying to assign blame, take an honest look at your own expectations. Are they healthy or unhealthy? And as God works on your heart, like he will, be brave and be open and be ready to take a step forward. Set aside some time this coming week to actually talk to that person about expectations. It's a big, big step that you can take towards a more emotionally healthy relationship. And finally, in closing, the fuel for working this out in our lives, the fuel that we need to improve our relationships, well, it comes from God himself. I mean, John 3.16, which many of you are familiar with, says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Relationships are hard and they can fill us with scars and wounds and pain and bitterness. And so first, let God's love 
work on your heart. Let God's love begin to heal your hearts. And then let his love for you, which is shown clearly in Jesus Christ, let that be the fuel that you need to start to love others in the same way that he's loved you. And so church, let's leave here today with a commitment to build healthier relationships out of our love and faithfulness to God. Let's not settle for anything less in our marriages, in our friendships, in every single one of our relationships. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise that you are a relational God, that you loved us enough to stop at nothing, to bring us back into a right relationship with you. We give you thanks and praise for the message of the cross, that you sent your only son to die for us, to mend our relationship. And so God, help us to grow in our love for you, but also to grow in our love for others. Let your love be the fuel that we need to take steps forward to building more emotionally healthy relationships. God, I pray for every marriage, every friendship, every connection that's represented in this church. And I pray that in your Holy Spirit's power, you would fill us with your love, you would fill us with your courage, you would give us all the tools that we need to take steps forward to building healthier relationships. And God, let every interaction we have this week, let every person we meet see you working in and through us. God, on our own, we're gonna fall on our face and we're gonna be miserable at this. But with you, all things are possible. And so we trust all of our relationships to your care. In the powerful name of Jesus, and let's all say together, amen.